Today is Thursday, October 26, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. After three weeks, Republicans finally have themselves a speaker. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating. Email us if you'd like. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. That's our email. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're so glad you're with us here as we're going through the news of the Cray each and every weekday morning, bright and early. Joining me today, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy's off. Trey, what's going on? It's Friday, Junior. What's up? Well, you know, it's about time that the Republicans found themselves the Speaker of the House. So long enough. Yeah. It's a a good day. Especially after a self-inflicted reason why they didn't have one in the first place. And then they fumbled around without a plan and then finally got it done so we'll have the details of who that is coming up uh on the focus story as well we have a story about a major christian artist speaking out after there was some chaos going on with the dove awards this year wasn't there yeah definitely some chaos that came out of left field i guess pun intended there um so yeah it's it's interesting and really (laughs) really bold comments from a christian artist so looking forward to that And on the main thing, a Texas doctor who is researching the effects of marijuana is sounding the alarm about culture's mainstreaming of the drug and warning its effects are anything but benign. Billy has that on the main thing today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. It took some three weeks, but Republicans finally have a House speaker. Representative Mike Johnson was elected as the Republicans next House Speaker. And they united behind their fourth nominee after Kevin McCarthy's departure. Johnson got 220 votes. He needed about 217 to win. There were no defections from his party this time, unlike previous attempts. Democrats continued for their part to vote for minority leader Hakeem Jeffries. He got 209 votes. Johnson received his party's nomination with some absent members and three present votes. Former President Trump endorsed Johnson and urged Republicans to act swiftly ahead of the Speaker's vote. The ground invasion still on hold in Israel. Reports indicate that Biden and the U.S. are pushing for the delay in order to get more aid into Gaza and to negotiate releases for hostages and also to try and get the 500-plus citizens who are trapped in Gaza out. Some worry that a quick assault on Gaza would not be successful and just drag on and possibly not destroy Hamas anyway. Netanyahu, meanwhile, is getting political pressure to invade sooner than later as top IDF leaders are growing impatient with the delay. And complicating matters, an Israeli airstrike reportedly the cause for several Christian deaths in Gaza near a church. Congressman, Former Congressman Justin Amash says he has relatives who died in that strike. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Trey, I'm bringing up this uh, church uh, that got bombed in Gaza, and Israel's saying it wasn't the intended target, but you can see in the photos it clearly was damaged, and the rubble ended up causing some deaths, and Justin Amash said it was some of his relatives were killed in that airstrike. Obviously tragic, War is horrible on all fronts, on both sides. There's innocent civilians getting caught in between. And then we're here left caught in the basically propaganda wars. It's very difficult to know who's correct and who's not. 
generally speaking, you're not going to trust what Hamas says, but you also see facts coming out from trusted sources. So it's a really, it's really getting ugly and complicated at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's good to see Israel kind of taking responsibility when they have messed up. So that, yeah, that that likely was our misstep, was our mistake. We we did that incorrectly or was poorly executed. Whatever. It's you know, it's good when those admissions come. But also, as you said, you can't really trust Hamas or anything that Hamas says. Unfortunately, there are people in the U.S. who do, for whatever reason, trust what Hamas says. Um, but also, I, I think we have to remember that, for, yes, war is bad and there are going to be mistakes made and missteps and things done wrong on both sides of any conflict. And war is also just bloody and it's there's death associated with it. Innocent lives are going to be lost. But I think it's important to remember in this particular situation uh, that Hamas is the aggressor here, right? They're the ones that are responsible um, for the deaths that come in the wake of, of their attack on Israel, right? They shouldn't have, have done what they did. They knew that Israel was going to retaliate to protect themselves. Uh, and so I think, you know, more so the, the blood of innocent life is not so much falling on Israel. It should fall on Hamas. Uh, again, not to say that there aren't mistakes made on both sides, right. but the, the brunt of the responsibility is on the terrorists who attacked the innocent country. Right. The, the danger is to get into this narrative where you have it's just it's a both sides the both sides isms right well both sides are messing up and both sides are bad you don't want to get into that even if israel messes up you don't want to get into that trap because these things are not the same israel is not trying to kill civilians even when they do um by collateral damage they're not trying to and hamas is trying to as very much evidenced by the video we're seeing from yeah, exactly. October 7th, right? And our own George Thomas was among the journalists there uh, who were shown this footage from the... They're, they're so horrible that they're not releasing them to the public, but they're showing all these journalists because they want people to know and not get into the same whitewashing that some people try to do with the Holocaust, for example. You had all those pictures there and people still try to say it didn't happen. And so they're doing the same thing here to let the journalists know. And, and so that's why it's tough because you don't want to just give Israel a free pass on any mistake they make. But at the same time, equating these two is not right. Yeah. Well, again, they were attacked and this is yeah. a, this is a just and understandable response, right? You're not going to be attacked in your homeland uh, for simply existing, right? That's the reason Hamas's stated reason for attacking is that they want to wipe the state of Israel off the face of the earth. They do not want the Jewish people to be living in their land or land that they claim to right. be theirs at all. Uh, so they've Hamas has been very clear about their motivations and their motivations are evil. So anybody who's comparing Israel and Hamas is either like woefully unaware of the situation or is intentionally, intentionally siding with a, an evil regime. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're going to keep you updated on all things that are going on over there. You got to get over to the CBN News YouTube channel. Chuck Holton is over there. He's our war correspondent for CBN News. He's in Israel now. He's always in the war zones whenever these stories pop up. He's there reporting on the ground, doing great stuff. And he's doing these lives every day on the YouTube channel, pretty much every day. And very informative, right there on the ground. He's going to, he's giving you all the latest on it. It's really good. And the Chris Mitchell and the Jerusalem team, our CBN bureau there in Jerusalem, headed up by Chris Mitchell. They're also doing daily reports that are just phenomenal, talking to everybody on the ground there. So really good stuff. Make sure you're on CBN News YouTube channel checking 
that out. All right, we're gonna head over to the focus story now, a little change of pace, but back on the craziness here on the home front. And we've got a Christian singer who most of you know, he's been on our program before. He's speaking out after a drag queen showed up at the Dove Awards and it was kind of like posted all celebratory. I don't know if the official Dove Awards account posted that tray, but what is he saying about all this and who is it? Yeah, so it's the skillet frontman, John Cooper. Obviously, he's not somebody who's afraid of speaking right. out. We've had him on Faith versus Culture. We've had him on this podcast. He'll talk to you pretty much about any issue under the sun. And what's good is that he often brings in a biblical perspective, which uh, I think is really helpful to have those handles to navigate these hot button issues. Uh, and this is certainly it kind of falls under that umbrella. So uh, as you said, yeah, a drag queen and a songwriter, a more progressive songwriter named Derek Webb, they showed up. Up. Derek Webb showed up, by the way. He's a straight man. He describes himself as a cisgender, which just means he identifies as the sex he was born as. We've made up words for these things now, but uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, he he showed up and he was wearing a dress at the uh, award show. And he said uh, about his outfit choice, he said, as a cis straight white man, I walk into a room like that in any room with an, an incredible amount of advantage and privilege. If I'm attending as an ally of friends and colleagues, I should do everything possible to surrender that privilege at the door. Uh, so because he's siding with the LGBTQ uh, identified people, uh, that's he wanted to wear a dress, uh, I, I suppose, in solidarity with them. Uh, and then also with the drag queen that he attended with, who was fully dressed up in drag and goes by the name Flamey Grant. Uh, so yeah, all kinds of all kinds of craziness. Uh, they were at the award show. Uh, and then uh, John Cooper was asked actually by church leaders about this, and he was not shy at all about uh, his thoughts on it. Uh, he said, honestly, he believes that some of this happens, these kinds of events unfold in Christian spaces because of what he sees as a wimpy, this is a quote from him, wimpy and weak a Christianity uh, that has uh, essentially Christians have kind of taken the back seat right on these issues and said, well, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be, uh, you know, anyway upset the apple cart i'd rather be super compassionate so people know that they're loved and that there's grace for them uh, he, which cooper said all of those things are good you should be graceful you should be compassionate you should be loving but to be si so silent that you've completely sacrificed truth that's obviously the exact opposite of love uh, but that's nevertheless the climate that we've created in a lot of christian circles which is what he's speaking out against yeah and you bring up a good point there about everyone trying to be amicable and not rocking the boat. But Jesus himself in Luke 12 says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three, and you know, family against family. So he's talking about over him, right? And so th is this not an extension of that where we see the culture invading into a supposed Christian space and to what John's speaking to are we too soft to stand on scriptural values or would we rather be man-pleasing? And it seems like a lot of people are trying to be man-pleasing in, in this particular, in this particular instance. But how, what did John say about how he would have interacted with these two if he was there? 
Yeah, we, you know, before we get to that, to your earlier point, this is a quote from John. He was talking about really what these two men were doing, these left-leaning guys were doing. He said, obviously, they're just trying to get attention. They're trying to disrupt, and they're going about it in a clever way. And the truth is, they're being the aggressors in this. Uh, but then he went on to say that they know, talking about these two guys, they know that Christians are so wimpy and weak. They know that Christians are then going to somehow feel intimidated by them and yeah. not know how to act, which I think think is so often what does end up happening, which creates more space, as you were saying, to your point, Dan, uh, for this kind of behavior to, to kind of grow and expand within Christian circles, despite the fact that it's obviously in direct contradiction to Scripture. Now, as far as what Cooper would have done, he said he was not in attendance at the show. He had a conflict. He was invited but was not able to attend. Uh, he said, though, that if he had been there, uh, he said, I simply just would have ignored the those two guys. He said, I wouldn't have talked to them uh, at all. Uh, and he quoted First uh, Corinthians 5, 9 through 13 uh, in, in his explanation. He said, we're not supposed to associate it with those who identify as Christians but are, uh, you know, living in sexual immorality. He said, that's an example, a perfect example of someone who's living in sexual immorality. That's not to say that I wouldn't share the gospel with them or I wouldn't share my faith uh, or conviction with them. But he said, I'm not really going to spend time associating with them. I'm not going to go out of my way uh, to embrace them. Uh, he said that's that's just not his his call. He said when you're dealing with people who claim the name of Christ, who then refuse to stop these patterns of behavior that the Bible condemns, then we have a responsibility not to associate with these people. So I would just ignore them. And then he also talked more broadly about the Christian music industry and issues within that field saying uh, there's really a lack of clarity on sexual issues in particular. Uh, he said, if there was clarity in the Christian music industry about what it truly meant to be a follower of Jesus, I think that people wouldn't feel comfortable to come and express quote unquote queer joy. I think they would be like, well, this space isn't for us. Uh, so yeah, interesting thoughts. And you can read more about what he says over at faithwire and cbn.com. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it is a tough line to, toe, right? Because you, you do want to be truth and love, right? You don't want to just be rude and, you know, kick people out. But at the same time, you have to put your foot down. You, you can't just seed ground on an obvious scriptural truth, such as, you know, our gender identity and who we are as males and females and the institution of marriage that God instituted. That's why it's called an institution. And you just can't be wishy-washy on that. And so you, you have to just speak the truth and do it in love. And if that means, look, you're just not going to associate there, then I think that's the way you should go about it. And um, it's but but they're like he said, they're the ones that are the aggressor there, Trey. They're the ones pushing the issue and trying knowing what Scripture says. They're trying to make a change there. That is not Christians going out of their way um, to go after somebody in the LGBTQ community. Yeah, well, I think, too, another thing that just comes to mind is uh, the old adage I think we all heard growing up is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. And I think uh, in a public situation in particular, if you're a celebrity like John Cooper, you're well-known. Obviously, there are going to be people looking at you. You don't really have anything uh, encouraging or edifying to say to these two guys in that moment. So probably best not to say anything. Now, if you get a chance backstage where it's yeah, private uh, and you can have an interaction, you can go up and talk to them. Uh, respectfully, you know, but but still share the biblical truth with them. I think that's a great thing to do in certain situations. But you know, maybe in a public setting, that just would would not be the best 
position for John Cooper to take. Uh, so yeah, interesting response all around from him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, just another indication here of culture really pushing into Christian spaces. And like, like, again, they're pushing the issue here. And we as Christians have to be ready on how to respond to it. So it's a good exercise to go through. If you're not personally in one of those situations, you'll be in one eventually. So yeah. it's a good exercise to go ahead and think out exactly what you'd say and how you'd handle it, because it's only a matter of time. It's not if, but when. All right, we're going to head over to the main thing now. And a Texas doctor who researches the effects of marijuana is sounding the alarm about culture's mainstreaming of the drug. It's getting legalized in a lot of places, too. And he's warning that its effects are anything but benign. It's Dr. Raymond Wiggins, who's an oral surgeon and author of the book Weeding Out the Lies About Marijuana. And Billy caught up with him for today's main thing. What was it that first led you into investigating this issue? Well, I have three close relatives who were all heavy marijuana users, and they're all dead today. Um, and I believe that they would be alive if it wasn't for marijuana. Uh, one just died a couple of years ago, uh, one of my cousins, and he died of a sudden heart attack. And he had just stopped. He had just come back to the Lord at that point, And he had just stopped using marijuana. Uh, but it, it had done significant damage to his heart. Um, then I have a, another young man who's a, a very close personal relative who was raised in church and he went off to college, got in with a group of guys that were smoking marijuana. And he thought, Hey, these guys are doing okay. So why not do it? And he did it. And then after a few times, he wound up developing psychosis and paranoid delusions. He actually thought people were trying to kill him. Um, and he wound up in a psychiatric hospital, wasn't able to re ever return to school. Um, so that's the personal side. And then if you look at the professional side, um, I see that my patients have a, a lot more anxiety whenever they're smoking marijuana. Um, they almost every one of them that checks the box that says marijuana, they also check anxiety. Um, and it's always, um, it, it's been interesting to me that, that people would push it as, as an anti anxiety drug, but when studies actually show that it increases anxiety, if, if you look at, at the best studies, um, and then also, uh, people who uh, are under anesthesia, they take three times more propofol. I, I do lots of anesthetics, um, outpatient anesthetics every day, and it takes three times more propofol. And it's not just me saying that, it's everyone that's in my profession, including the American Society of Anesthesiologists. They say that it takes three times more anesthesia to keep these wow. patients appropriately sedated. So um, if, if you look at all those things, plus the fact that it, it takes more post-operative pain medication to keep them comfortable. When I started looking at all those things, I saw the devastating effects in, in my patients, my family, and my friends. I began investigating and, and what I found really shocked me. Let's start with the, the mental health aspects of this, because this is a drug that medicinally is being pushed to help treat mental health issues, right? Is it not? There are many people that are pushing it for that. Um, I think most of the best neurologists and, and psychiatrists are, are not pushing marijuana uh, as a drug that treats psychosis. In fact, uh, the American uh, Psychiatric Association says that it's not a drug that should be used for that. Um, there are some doctors who will use it for that, but it's it's really a drug that's actually going to cause a lot more problems. If, if you want to talk about psychosis, um, it, for those who start using marijuana at a young age and who use it on a regular basis, 
there's a two and a half times risk of uh, of psychosis. And in fact, if you if you look at one study, it actually showed a six times risk uh, for those who used it regularly. And it, and that study actually showed a two and a half to three times risk for those who had used it at all before the age of eighteen. Um, if you're talking about depression and suicide, um, depression is greatly increased. If, if you start smoking it young again, uh, if you smoke it as a teenager, and then if you look at the statistics for depression uh, up until the age of 30, those who smoked it as a teenager are 37% more likely to be depressed uh, in their young adult years and even later on in life. Uh, those who, uh, who have cannabis use disorder, which is actual addiction to marijuana, are two times more likely to be depressed and then that leads to, to suicide, thinking about suicide and suicide attempts. Young people who um, use marijuana are 50% more likely to think about suicide, but they're three and a half to seven times more likely to attempt suicide. So there's something about marijuana that makes it much easier for a person to attempt suicide. And unfortunately, the number one drug that's found in, uh, in toxicology screens of young people who have committed suicide is marijuana. Um, then you can talk about bipolar disorder. There's a huge study that, that actually just came out. Um, it came out in May and it followed over six and a half million people. And it was the first study to actually show a causal relationship between bipolar disorder and, um, and marijuana. Marijuana actually causes bipolar disorder and um, the statistics are, are just incredible on that uh, in this study. It shows a three times risk of bipolar disorder in men and two and a half times in women uh, for those with cannabis use disorder. Um, and and wow. anyone who uses marijuana will have an increased risk of, of bipolar disorder, uh, according to this study. Why, why do you think, you know, you go through, we look at schizophrenia, we look at suicide, we look at bipolar disorder, all of these things that we're seeing come out in this research, why do you think it's as though people are looking at all of that, looking away and forging on towards legalization, pushing it, you know, repeating that this is not dangerous. It's as though, it's as though they want to pretend this data isn't there. Why do you think there's such a push to legalize this Really, I mean, almost half the uh, over about half the country now it's legal recreationally, and, and then you throw in the medicinal. Why? Well, um, I, I think there's several reasons. Number one, the, there's big money behind this. It's somewhere between a hundred to a hundred thirty million billion dollar a year industry. Um, and if you look at the referendums, if if you look at the money that's going towards candidates. Um, there's a lot of money that's that's going that direction, um, and big marijuana is following the the same path that big tobacco did uh, over half a century ago, and they they're also making it look like uh, marijuana is really a benign drug, but it's really not. Uh, they're pushing the potency too. They keep pushing the the um, potency levels. Uh, if you look back at uh, at Woodstock in 1969, most marijuana was one to two percent THC. THC is the component of marijuana that causes the high. Um, the really good stuff was three percent. If you fast forward to 1995, 
that was about four times that. Today, it's 22%. Well, the higher potency marijuanas are four times more likely to make you addicted. Um, so they're, they're pushing the idea that it's, it's not, not a dangerous drug, that it's a benign drug, yet they're pushing the potency uh, through genetic manipulation. And, they also say uh, it's not addictive. I mean, th- like th- this has been a repeated line that marijuana is not is not addictive. But again, as you're stating, that is not accurate or the case. That's not accurate at all. Um, it's it's somewhere between four to eight times more addictive uh, when, whenever you get into the high potency marijuanas. And that's anything over 10 percent. Well, today, the average is 22 percent. And there's some strains that are pushing 45 percent these days. All right, Billy, thanks for that interview there. Very informative stuff, and we will have the link to the entire interview, which was available on our CBN News YouTube channel. I'll put that link in the description of this podcast episode. All right, we're going to have time here on the pod for one last thing. Colossians 3.12-13. through 13. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And I think that's important as we're dealing with a bunch of sinners around us, how we can go forward as Christians with patience, with kindness, and also forgiveness. It's very key. Yeah, well, and the fact that we live in a a cancel culture that's both graceless and merciless and (laughs) certainly unforgiving too, uh, what a countercultural message that is, but a great reminder, I think, for all of us. Absolutely. All right. Good spot to leave it on the podcast today. This Friday junior edition of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, we're so glad you're here. Get on over to CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.